0: Changes, the accruing competencies, or fail to feel the untapped potency of weeks and months, the time that should have been hers. Kate's growing up had become the essence of time itself. Her phantom growth, the product of an obsessive sorrow, was not only inevitable, nothing could stop the sinewy clock, but necessary. Without the fantasy of her continued existence, he was lost. Time would stop. He was the father. Of an invisible child. But here on Millbank there were only ex-children shuffling to work. Further up, just before Parliament Square, was a group of licensed beggars. They were not permitted anywhere near Parliament or Whitehall or within sight of the square, but a few were taking advantage of the confluence of commuter routes. He saw their bright badges from a couple of hundred yards away. This was their weather, and they looked cocky with their freedom. The wage earners had to give way. A dozen beggars were working both sides of the street, moving towards him steadily against the surge. It was a child Stephen was watching now, not a five-year-old, but a skinny prepubescent. She had registered him at some distance. She walked slowly, senambulantly, the regulation black bowl extended. The office workers parted and converged about her. Her eyes were fixed on Stephen as she came. He felt the usual ambivalence. To give money ensured the success of the government programme. Not to give involved some determined facing away from private distress. There was no way out. The art of bad government was to sever the line between public policy and intimate feeling. The instinct for what was right. These days he left the matter to chance. If he had small change in his pocket, he gave it. If not, he gave nothing. He never handed out banknotes. The girl was brown-skinned from sunny days on the street. She wore a grubby, yellow cotton frock, and her hair was severely cropped. Perhaps she'd been deloused. As the distance closed, he saw she was pretty, impish and freckled, with a pointed chin. She was no more than twenty feet away... When she ran forward and took from the pavement a lump of still-glistening chewing gum, she popped it into her mouth and began to chew. The little head tilted back defiantly as she looked again in his direction. Then she was before him, the standard issue bowl held out before her. She had chosen him minutes ago. It was a trick they had. Appalled, he reached into his back pocket for a five-pound note. She looked on with neutral expression as he set it down on top of the coins. As soon as his hand was clear, the girl picked the note out, rolled it tight into a fist, and said, "'Fuck you, mister!' She was edging around him. Stephen put his hand on the hard, narrow shoulder and gripped, "'What was that you said?' The girl turned and pulled away. The eyes had shrunk, the voice was reedy. "'I said thank you, mister!' She was out of reach when she added, "'Rich creep!' Stephen showed empty palms in mild rebuke. He smiled without parting his lips to convey his immunity to the insult. But the kid had resumed her steady sleepwalker step along the street. He watched her for a full minute before he lost her in the crowd. She did not glance back. The Official Commission on Child Care, known to be a pet concern of the Prime Minister's, had spawned 14 subcommittees whose task was to make recommendations to the parent body. Their real function, it was said cynically, was to satisfy the disparate ideals of myriad interest groups, the sugar and fast food lobbies, the garment, toy, formula milk and firework manufacturers, the charities, the women's organisations, the pedestrian-controlled crosswalk pressure group people, who pressed in on all sides... Few among the opinion-forming classes declined their services. It was generally agreed that the country was full of the wrong sort of people. There were strong opinions about what constituted a desirable citizenry and what should be done to children to procure one for the future. Everyone was on a subcommittee. Even Stephen Lewis, an author of children's books, was on one, entirely through the influence of his friend Charles Dark, who resigned just after the committees began their work. Stevens was the subcommittee on reading and writing under the reptilian Lord Parmenter. Weekly, through the parched months of what was to turn out to be the last decent summer of the 20th century, Stephen attended meetings in a gloomy room in Whitehall where, he was told, night bombing raids on Germany had been planned in 1944.